I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Surf Splendor. This is your host, David Scales, bringing you an all-new episode of Surf News. For We actually recorded this on March 3rd. Uh, I'm publishing it on March 5th. So let's just call it Surf News for the first week of March 2017. Uh, I wanted to say a quick thanks to everyone who sent feedback about the Mark Healy episode that I published last week. Um, great. Mark's a great, great guest and provided a lot of insight into the world of big wave surfing, both competitively and just what it's, what's required of a human being in terms of health and wellness. And, um, Mark turned out to be really articulate and I really just enjoyed my time with him and seems like people enjoyed that episode. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go ahead and go back and find that either on your podcasting app or, of course, everything, all past episodes of Surf Splendor are available on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Everything is there for free. And along those lines, I also wanted to say thanks to everybody who's donated, contributed finances to this show. Um, Scott's been producing surf podcasts for 10 years. I've been doing this Surf Splendor show for three and a half years. And we were doing it completely for free up until October when we set up a donation platform. And we've just been asking people to set up a $5 subscription via PayPal. Five bucks is negligible enough to where you probably would not notice it missing out of your budget. And yet it goes a long way actually to supporting this show. So if you've done that, I thank you. If you are able to do that, we would be hugely grateful for it and If we get enough of those $5 monthly donations, Scott and I plan to do weekly episodes rather than every other week. So you can look forward to that Uh, in the near future. I'm sure we'll get there. And until then, I hope that you enjoy this week's episode of Surf News. Scott and I had a lot to cover after um, not being able to get together for about three or four weeks time. And of course, we're leading into the 2017 WSL season. So Plenty to discuss. This is a supersized episode. Hope that you enjoy it. I will be back at the end of the episode to sign us off. Thanks.
<laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, freaking guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Down the line, Surf Talk Podcast. Scott Bass and David Lee Scales with you. And we're seeing all good people. Yes. What a feel-good start to the show. Such a good song. Crank it up, man. Isn't it a great song? It's a great song. Optimism. How underrated? Uh, how underrated is yes? Is, re- is yes underrated? Do you I don't think? think so. I think everybody has everybody mad pre- respect. Yeah, I think you're right. Not only a great song, but a great message too. Super great message, and incre- well, I mean, look, all musicians that get to that level are incredible, but these guys are intense musicians, like over the top. Yeah, vir- vir- virtuosos. Yeah, virtuosos. Virtuosos. These guys, wow. John Anderson, and the others. And yeah, Yes is one of those bands that when I was in high school, um, it's kind of like Rush. Like mm-hmm. you couldn't admit that you liked them. Yeah. <laughs> but as you mature and get older, you're like, oh my God, I've always loved that band. You know? it, and you can't help but appreciate their musicianship. And exactly. the same thing with Rush. Exactly. Like phenomenal musicians. Exactly yeah. right. So um, uh, I actually just watched a documentary on Rush. I struggling to think of the name of it i think I've it's a couple it. years old you it's have seen really it. good okay. yeah yeah it's really good where neil pert the drummer goes on a motorcycle ride and comes back and comes back to the band right yeah that one yeah where he like he sessions with some really incredible jazz drummers and he learns that the most important beat is the beat between the beats exactly yeah that's exactly right yeah, that's a great. I forget the name of it too. I'll, I'll look it up while we're talking. But it's an um, incredible documentary if you're if you're a fan of Rush Beyond the Lighted Stage. Yes, yeah. exactly. And they talk about the period where they went from the bass to the piano, and it was like it was a horrific time in Rush history. If you were a Rush fan, you couldn't yeah. believe it was like blasphemy that they got rid of the bass. Well, I mean, a lot of bands make transitions like as an artist you want to evolve you know so that's a pretty common thing but of course for the core audience exactly it's hard to watch them start riding firewire surfboards oh (laughs) hey hey maybe that's a great analogy you know by the way downline surf talk podcast david and scott i know i've said that but it is friday march 3rd we've been gone for three weeks and we apologize and we promise to make this show twice as good Three Maybe, times better? I don't know about that, but twice as long. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about three times. Well, as- we started an hour earlier today. It's an early, early morning here in Southern California. Scott's got a fresh cup of tea. I've got my <laughs> cup of coffee. We avoided traffic a little bit, right? Was yes. traffic lighter for you? Yes, it was light traffic coming maybe, up here. Maybe we should do it at this time every week. Not a bad idea. Yeah, I, I'm totally down with it. Um, but there are those that have subscribed, and we we appreciate your subscription, yeah. and we're doing our best to fulfill our obligation. Now, David went to Cuba, and I went to Utah, so we were, that's why we weren't around. It wasn't like we were lazy. We were living a full and fruitful and diligent life. Well, I would say Cuba and Utah are equally foreign culturally compared to Southern California. Yes. Now, I saw you – I saw your <clears> – <throat> excuse me – Instagram. Yeah. And you were in Cuba, and of course you're you're a social media animal. And um, I saw that you were with a, a fine young woman friend. That I was. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it. Yeah. Travel, travel. Is in that Paris. your girlfriend? Yeah, it is. Actually. What's her name? Her name's Brittany. Brittany. Dang, dude, you're putting me on. I'm blast sorry. I just, right I, now. This is news to me. I mean, the funny thing is, 
those that listen to the show know this, but David and I don't even really know each other. We just, <laughs> we, just we only know each other in this, in With this microphone, realm. Yeah. We don't like hang out. We don't live near each other, no. which is sort of sad because I, I, I'm sure I would benefit from hanging out. Well, thanks. More. No, we've, we've got a lot in common, but we've never surfed together. I don't know your social, you know, status. I don't know your socioeconomic status. I don't know your, Education. I don't know where you went to college. I don't know anything about you. Really. It's modest. Bachelor's degree in psychology, uh, Cal State University, Long Beach. Oh, see, I'm a Cal State San Marcos, so we're both Cal State graduates. Yeah, not something would... to be proud of. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> That's why you haven't heard it yet, is because I don't advertise that. <laughs> Which is why we're pitching for five dollar donations exactly. on the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but yeah, we had a blast actually. How long um, have you been seeing Brittany? Uh, since like October ish. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, but yeah, Cuba. One, one Cuba. Give you a quick rundown, please. Give us a rundown. Did you go surfing in Cuba? No, never even went in the ocean. Believe it or not, it's kind of bizarre. Um, is even it a though, blue ocean, a gorgeous yeah. blue ocean. Yeah, it is. And even like I was in Havana the whole time, which is a city, obviously a pretty big city, but. Even though it's right on the water, there's um, basically a seawall that runs the entire length of the city. So you can't even get into the water. To get to a sandy beach, it's a 45-minute drive away. And nobody was in the water. There was a few over the course of five days. I saw maybe seven fishermen fishing off the seawall, but very, very few. Like nobody's using the ocean, which is really bizarre. I noticed there was a couple opportunities to climb down the seawall to jump into the ocean if you wanted to, but it was kind of sketchy to climb back up it, you know, so I never actually did it. Um, and we were having a blast anyways. It wasn't like I even missed it, to be honest, but definitely no waves in that part of the country. I got advice from some people um, on where there would be waves, but You'll recall on this show, I just said, hey, I don't know anything about Cuba. I haven't researched it really, and I'm going. But if any listeners have been, you should send me recommendations and advice. I got an outpouring of advice. Um, Really, really, really helpful stuff. And I've compiled all that information. I used it for my advantage while I was there, but I've synthesized what was good advice and what didn't apply and added some of my own into a document that is now a PDF. So if anybody's going to Cuba and they want that information... I will pass it along. Wow. Our listeners cool. paid it forward to me. I'm going to go ahead and pay it forward to the next guy because honestly, it was super helpful. We had uh, the food's not phenomenal, but like we had, but it was good. We were eating in the nicest restaurants in the country and it was so inexpensive. But even the best restaurants aren't really up to par with what you and I are used to in Southern California, of course. Tons of meat. Uh, not a lot of vegetables, and yeah. even the vegetables they do have, it's not like as fresh as what we're used to in Southern California. Huh. Um, but the food, the atmosphere, the um, that we ate, like the places that we ate in, the atmosphere was unbeatable. You know, rooftops, these really old, beautiful colonial buildings. Um, all the architecture there is like incredible. From like the the least expensive apartments that families with hardly any money are living in to the big palatial estates. It's all magnificent. From now, a I watched a 60 minutes episode a couple of weeks ago and it had a whole thing on, on rum on, is it Havana club? Yeah, exactly. Did you, do you know about this controversy about Havana club? No, I don't. Well, there's an old recipe and when Castro took over Cuba, the P, the family that owned Havana club, first of all, the communist 
Castro came in and in one night killed everybody or told them to get lost. And the the family that was this, you know, had this great fortune of owning this incredible uh, rum distillery had to pack up everything and leave and get on a boat and escape. Wow! And they took the they took the recipe with them. And the recipe now resides and was sold to, um, I think, somebody in Puerto Rico or somebody in the United States, maybe in Florida, who now makes Havana Club. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, of course, Castro makes Havana Club. Cuba, the country, makes Havana Club. Right. And they say that they have the recipe. And there's a big trademark infringement. And there's, it's a big source of pride in Cuba, the, the, the brand Havana Club. It's, it's stronger than Coca-Cola here Very in the United States. So. It's yeah. like everywhere. Like it is. Havana Club is like on it's airplanes. Full you know? monopoly. Yeah, it's a full, full on. Yeah. yeah. And um, so there's this interesting, you know, polarization regarding who actually owns Havana Club and which is the true Havana Club. And the Cubans will tell you that Castro's Havana Club, probably because they have to or they'll get killed. And then, of course, you know, the people in Florida. That, and I think it's now owned by some big distillery. Sure. Smirnoff or somebody. I don't know. Interesting. I had no idea. But that is definitely true that that is kind of the national brand. Yeah. Um, one thing I will s- and one thing I will say about it, one of the best experiences there was just how – uh, hospitable and gracious the people were. It was really, it felt like the city itself felt similar to a lot of other Latin American cities that I've been to, but the people were so much nicer and there was no threat of danger at any point. There was no threat of even feeling like you were going to get ripped off because you're a white American or something like that. Right, right. Like normally you go to a lot Mexico of other countries. City. Or Italy, even what you got to double check the bill when you get it for dinner to make sure they didn't tack on a bunch of stuff, you know. Oh, right, right. And there's just a lot of stuff like that you always have to be on guard with when you're traveling. This had none of that, and I don't know if it's just a feature of not living in a capitalist society, but there was like there didn't seem to be any desire for one guy to step on another guy's throat to get ahead of him. And even with cabbies, like we'd walk up to a group of cabbies and be like, "Hey, we need to get from here to there." And one guy would negotiate the price and then go, all right, well, my buddy's going to take you. And he'd pass us off to the next guy. They weren't even trying to get our cab there, you know, because they didn't care. Because right. like I said, they've never, everything was equal. There was no reason yeah. to care, no, no reason. So interesting, right? Yeah. The, the, the reaction that you're getting based on the communist culture that they've lived in, the socialist culture where it's like, why get ahead? Because we can't. Right. But there was a sense that you got <clears throat> that this was a good thing. And I think it, I think your sense is correct, right? Because there was no threat. You didn't feel threatened by the exploitation. There was no the capitalism often. Yeah, creates. and I'm, and again, there's pros and cons to everything. And I'm sure. not advocating. No, for I know it, you're not. Of course, but like I just noticed there was weird details every once in a while. They were just like, huh. Why aren't they doing things? And then you realize you're like, oh, it's because because they can't you know, get ahead, <laughs> right? <laughs> what's the what's the use of trying if it doesn't do anything? Yeah. How but, did the chop hop get received in Havana? You know, by the at first when I first showed up, I got a few weird looks. But by the end of the trip, I saw people walking around with chop hops. I think I started it started to kind of infiltrate that their style. Me. Yeah. I think now there's it's going to be a trend now. I'm like the Jennifer Aniston back in the 90s, right. but like of dudes haircuts. <laughs> I actually saw we saw um a Salon Kardashian. All right. Yeah, I was literally like named that. I think they're just fully playing on the actual sure. Kardashians. It has to be that, right? Sure. Uh, so I thought right. that was kind of funny. 
but phenomenal. Like it, honestly, it was so inexpensive. They're doing direct flights out of LAX right now, which were yeah. also cheap. So it's a four and a half hour flight for us. It's super inexpensive to be there. Direct flight or into Miami? Direct. Okay. Yeah. So I would say go, and the sooner the better, because it's just going to turn into, of course, Miami Part Two or something right. like that. You know. Right. But right now, it was just we had a fantastic time. We booked everything through Airbnb. Yeah, which was a great way to do it. So, did you have your "Make America Great Again" hat on? <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, the other big thing is Hemingway, of course, lived there and has a home that you can visit. So, and they yeah. have a lot of pride for him. You yeah, know? yeah. So, um, if you're at all a fan of Hemingway, that's just interesting yeah. to see all that stuff. Yeah, are you a fan of Hemingway? Big time. Really? Yeah. Misogyny. Big time yeah, misogyny, <laughs> misogyny, alcoholism, oh, yeah, exactly. wife abuse. I love it all. <laughs> Makes a good writer. Oh yeah. Lord. So, do you have any follow up stuff from previous um, month know, that I, we've been off? I'm sure that I do, but I don't because it just feels like we have a full plate of things to we, talk. We about. do, but let me reference two things that listeners sent us. All right, we. Um, you were asking on the last show if Silvana Lima will get properly credited for doing for kind of pioneering aerials and women surfing. Yeah. And we discussed that and we talked about how she's kind of fallen off tour and she'll never be seen again. I got a name uh uh, comment on surfsplendorpodcast.com from Adam Baldwin that said, you do realize Silvana is back on tour this year. She won the last QS of the year in Australia to get back on tour. So I did not know that Adam Baldwin. <laughs> Apparently I don't follow the women's QS nearly closely enough, but I did look at, uh, look it up on WSL's website and Adam is correct. So we will see Silvana Lima back on tour starting, I think next week. Um, I also got a comment from Tim B who said, David and Scott, on the subject of surf contest coverage, I would really enjoy watching a WSL contest with you guys doing the live commentary as a podcast. Obviously, a whole contest would not be feasible, but how about doing a final? It could have an intro and the final and some comments at the end. Failing that, I really enjoyed the time you rescored the final with a judge. Maybe oh, that was an episode I did a couple of years ago. So, what do you think about that idea, Scott? You yeah. and I maybe doing like a live Facebook or now Instagram has a live feature as well, watching the final for something. Uh, maybe the snapper event. I don't know what time of day that happens for us, but we could watch the final together and give them a commentary. Snapper will probably be pretty late in the evening for us, but yeah, no, I'm up for it. That'd be rad. I right? mean, if we get, I mean, if people tune in, right? If no one's listening, it'll be lame. But I think people will tune in. I think we got to give it a shot at least. I've had that comment from people in the past, and of course, we criticize the commentators on the WSL speed all the time. So. Uh, I think that we. I think we're, we'll learn real quick how difficult it is. I, I agree, but we got it. If we've been talking crap, we got it. Yeah, no, I, I'm up for it for sure. Let's let's you and I figure that out. Yeah. All right, I'm down. Well, well, now it's easy with Facebook and Instagram. They make it so easy that the tech's already there. We just need to push record. Um, but by the way, both those comments were on surfsplendorpodcast.com, which is a great way to engage with Scott and I. Obviously, this conversation isn't just between he and I. I got a couple of other comments that I won't get into, but one of them was just saying like, dude, I sit in my car and I'll hear Scott make a point and I'm like, yeah, Scott, tell David what's up. And then David will make a counterpoint and I'll be like, yeah, actually, actually David's making a very salient point and I the guy was saying that he basically like he's having an argument in his head with us while he's listening to the show you know so um, anyways if you want to leave that feedback do it on surfsplendorpodcast.com or of course Instagram or whatever alright well I've got some email here since we're going to go that way um, 
says, hey, Scott, you are awesome, man. I love the show. You and the Chop Hopper are hilarious. Thanks for doing what you're doing. By the way, one subject I have not heard you cover that I would love to hear more about is introducing kids to surfing. I have a one-year-old and wonder about when you get him in the water. I live in the Bay Area, so it's cold and sharky and big, and it's not that easy. And you've mentioned your kids on the show a couple of times, so maybe you have something to say. Thanks again. show always keeps me laughing, stoked, and looking forward to the weekend when I can get into the water. Drew. So thank you, Drew. David and I thank you for the email. And here's my commentary on kids and getting kids into the ocean. First of all, I think way too many people do it too young. Um, you know, I see, you see it on Instagram. You see pros with their like 18-month-old baby who has no clue what's going on. And that's, I think, really a vanity play and an ego play when you take your 18-month-old kid out surfing. The kid's not enjoying it. The kid doesn't even know what's up. And I think that that will backfire. It can backfire. Now, it doesn't always backfire, and each kid in each situation is different. My opinion, and I'm not a child-rearing expert, is let the kid find it on his own. It's been my experience that when I force my kid into something, he usually rebels. And when I tell him he can't do it, he wants to go and try to do it. Mm. So I would tell my son, Hank, I'm like, I'm going surfing and you're not allowed to come. And he'd be like, what do you mean? I want to go. you know. And before you know it, we're surfing Uluwatu together. Nice. So I'm studying quantum physics, Hank, and you're not allowed to study it with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm having fun with quantum <laughs> physics. You're not allowed. So anyway, that's my take on it. But again, each kid in each situation is completely different, and it's hard to put a blanket concept yeah. on it. Okay, devil's advocate is a guy who has never raised a kid. Um, but a nice chop hop. <laughs> uh Let's say the 18-month-old, you're not necessarily taking them to teach them how to surf, but you're just enveloping them in mother nature. You're taking them back to the womb, into the water. Like, I see benefit in that spiritually, you know, just like, hey, get them in the cold water. Like, there's nothing. I don't know about cold water, but maybe. Dude, cold water is great for you, man. (laughs) I'm just saying, you don't want the kid to go, oh, I hate going there. Of course. I get that that psychology of it. But I do think that, like... Almost innately, you kids love the water. They love the sand. They want to go warm water. In it. Yeah, yeah, warm, cozy water. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're experts <laughs> on both surfing and child rearing. Um, we got a bunch of stuff to. Well, let's get into it. Um, oh, I was just reading Ben Spencer's thing that you were telling me about yeah. his email. Yeah. Well, um, look. You know what? Next time we'll get into. We got a lot of really great emails from people here and um <clears throat> next time let's get into some emails okay. but we've got so much to do and david and i promise to be back in two weeks I'm or sooner sure and um we'll get into it because i see emails here from chris johnson from lost grove from adam baldwin from austin stevenson greg mcgrath cameron ben spencer oakley davis we've got a lot of emails by, here. by the way uh uh, Chris Johnson's emails. He's in New Zealand. Oh, Chris, yes, from New Zealand. He sends... He's quite the character. Yeah. He sends hilarious emails that I'm not sure how factual some of them are. I need to really like cross-reference and check some of the details, but they are very, very detailed and they seem scientific at times, but I just don't know the science to, to disagree. Um, but I've replied to him a few times and then I get... They bounce back. I can't reply to him. So oh, really? I, I, get, I don't know. I know. I, I've gotten replies from you going back to him as well. But I just want to let Chris know, like, hey, dude, I haven't just ignored all your emails. I get them and I read them. But yeah, 
So anyway, thanks for um, all the emails. Now, some of the big news that just recently happened, and then we'll okay. go backwards from there. This is what's interesting about you going to Cuba and me going to Utah, is that I'm going to tell you now, David, that I had this news about Samsung breaking out and leaving the WSL way before it hit the, the newswire. And you and I were going to have breaking news on this because I got the rumor from the very, very deep inside. Mm. And I was very excited about it. And then we had to cancel our show last week. So when did you get the rumor? I got the rumor three days before it hit anywhere, Beach Grid or anything. Okay. And I got it as that. I got it as such. I got it as, hey, this is a rumor, but it's from a reliable source. Samsung is pulling out of the WSL. Now, from my same source, Anonymous, this is what else I have learned. Ooh. Again, at this point, rumor, it hasn't reached Beach Grid or anyone else, but this is what I'm hearing. And the other rumor checked out as valid, so that gives right, this from one the same a little source. bit more credibility. Right. Right. And that is I the, already believe it. I don't care what yeah, it says. Good. <laughs> You should. That is that. <clears throat> what I'm hearing from yes. uh, the Coconut Wireless Grapevine rumor mill is that the Big Wave Tour is going to be trimmed down to three events and three events only. Jaws, because it's cheap to do and there's a crew in Hawaii. Puerto Escondido, again, easy and cheap. And is it Nazare or yep. Nazir? Nazare. As those guys get paid to go over there. Probably the WSL gets paid by the oh, Chamber of Commerce in Portugal okay. or somebody. But all the other venues are free to run their own events and be a part of another tour. And the big wave surfers, oh, by the way, are not obligated to be exclusive to one or the other. So the big wave surfers, according to this rumor, are now free to do whatever. Hmm. And there will only be three big wave events, Jaws, um, Port Escondido, and Nazare. Hmm. Again, only rumor at this point. I don't want to upset the apple cart, or I know Peter Mel probably doesn't want to hear me talking about this, but maybe Pete can respond to some texts from us and some emails, and we'll get some deep insight. Well, That's what I'm hearing, and it seems to make sense based on the bigger news, which we haven't commented on, which is Samsung pulling out. David, give me your thoughts. Well, I'm going to backtrack to the big wave thing. Um, in 2016, they only ran three events, it looks like. So even though there was six events on the schedule or whatever there were, they only end up running three because there's only enough, you know, the swell and the timing and all that sort of stuff. So that begs the question, if three didn't run last year, what if three don't run in 2017? Well, right when you said that, that same thought went through my head. And when you look at the three they've chosen, Jaws, Jaws has been, you've been able to run Jaws every year. Puerto Escondido, guaranteed you can run a big wave event at Puerto Escondido. I guarantee you, the month of July, there's 25-foot waves there okay. every year. And I use July, but it could be August, whatever. And then um, Nazare, the same. Okay. Nazare, you were wanting it to be smaller. So I think when they – and again, we're just running off of this rumor. But if we put ourselves in the WSL uh, boardroom – and you're you're put yourself in their minds and they're going, which three make sense? What you know, what are we you know, we've got to trim costs, maybe that's what they're thinking, but we also need to run a great tour. Mm-hmm. What are the guarantees? You know, the guarantees are Jaws, um, Puerto Escondido and yeah. Nazare. And I would throw Mavericks in there if it wasn't such a shit show. Yeah. And right now that's off the table because Completely. of the shit show that it is. Well, um interesting. Uh, this is a perfect time to discuss 
Did you know that Grant Baker is the 2016 world champ? I did, and congratulations to Twiggy Baker. Yeah, he just got crowned a week ago. And they ran three events, and what were those three events? The three events were Puerto Escondido, which he won, Piahi, which he placed third, and then Nazare got seven. So those three events. But it's like, yeah, so the, yeah, exactly. What's interesting, though, and again, all the respect in the world to Twiggy, but what's interesting is he didn't win an event or even lose an event, and then they crown a champion. The crowning of the champion happens without the event. Like it happened, I don't know, when did the Nazare event finish? Well, a I, month ago? Yeah, and then he got no, crowned last there, week? Yeah, and that's so, probably part of the streamlining, right? Is like, let's have a more streamlined process here so that we know the last event and we can have a bigger hullabaloo about it. And the reason they didn't perhaps is because... First of all, there's a lot of turmoil going on. You would suggest it would be suggested at the WSL, and there, and perhaps they were going, "Hey, maybe there's one last event that that's mm-hmm. on the schedule that we're waiting for, and we can't really crown Twiggy until we know yeah. if we're doing that event or not." And then that event gets called off, and it's like, "Oh, well, now you're the champ." But it's so anticlimactic. Like yes. that's my point: is that we on the shortboard men's tour, we have pipeline at the end of the year, and everybody looks forward to it, and it's this big climax. Not always. Well, no, but it, in theory. You, you and know? I have talked about that at length. Of course. So, but with the Big Wave Tour, and we all agree that it has the most potential to be the biggest money maker and garner the most eyeballs because any non-surfer can appreciate a tiny man gi- riding a giant mountain of water. So we know that the potential's there, but there's all these missteps along the way, and this is one of them. One of them is that I do care, and I like Grant Baker, and then I wake up in the morning, bleary-eyed, and I'm scrolling Instagram, and it's like, congratulations, Twiggy. And I'm like, oh, is this a throwback Thursday post from like six months ago? Did he, like, there wasn't even an event. How is he now the world champion? Oh, you know. Yeah. I care, and I almost don't even know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big problem. Well, I, th- I think that's part of this thing. Yeah. Like, let's streamline this thing. Let's get it tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I will say this. You mentioned that you care about Grant Twiggy Baker. And and I think there's a lot of people that do it. And I think there's a lot of people that don't know the true story. I think there's some deep, good documentary type story there with him regarding Mavericks. Remember how he got shunned and was denied access yeah. to the Mavericks event because yeah. he spoke out on some level. And then he had to be all hush-hush and he had to kiss their ass. And I think that's sort of interesting. And this, the, him winning the the Big Wave World Tour is sort of, in a way, you know, <clears throat> it's sort of um, his chance to kind of wave his flag and go, hey, see, you guys, Titans of Mavericks people, you know, like, I'm the friggin' Big Wave World Champion. Yeah. And you're not going to invite me to your event because, because what? Because I spoke out? Because I was speaking truth well and he was if i recall he was the champion at that time and then they were right. run the event and they didn't even invite him yeah and that's where you and i were commenting like how do you not invite the big wave world champ yeah that whole mavericks thing anyway so but back to well, sam's well, well wait okay uh talking about he's an interesting dude there's a lot of story we've talked about we don't uh, know it no i know but you and i have talked about that those stories are underdeveloped. Those storylines are underdeveloped from a production standpoint. Um, and it's probably the WSL's job yes. that they're not fully capitalizing on. Yes. Along those lines, guess who number two was this year on the Big Wave World Tour? Who placed second? Oh, God. I'm just going to guess. Yeah, it was like Makua. Pedro Collado. Oh, Pedro. <laughs> 
have you ever I have even no heard his idea name? where he's from, what color his hair is, how tall he is, if he's a regular foot or a goofy foot, who his sponsors are. No. Help. Chris Morrow. I know. <laughs> he, I, I think know. Chris is in charge of creating stories. I'm just guessing. So but that that's a problem. That's you a know huge what I mean? it's problem. Like, I've never even heard the guy's name, and I try to pay attention to everything. So Pedro got third at the Puerto Escondido Challenge, fourth at Nazare, and fifth at Piahi. So I guess maybe, you know, he's not on the podium. So that's, is it us? Is it you and I? Are yeah, we partially. naive? It or should is. we know who he is? Well, Yes, as indicated by the fact that Adam Baldwin had to let us know that Silvana Lima requalified for the <laughs> oh, well. tour. So we're not fully, fully paying attention to every <laughs> facet of surfing, but still, yeah. we have a point that is, I would argue most people don't know who Pedro is. I don't Lago think is. so. No. He's Brazilian, by the way. His hair no. is brown. Well, that makes sense. Is he regular foot or goofy foot? That I can't tell you. I'm guessing he's a regular foot. Mostly regular foot's on this tour. Mm, no? I'm looking. That's just a guess. I'm looking. Anyway, he's uh, five foot seven, 159 pounds. That's what I know. <laughs> Look, um, it's, it's exciting times for the WSL to, to sort of dig into the big wave world tour now that it's streamlined and, and provide us with some information about this champion. Yeah. We know Twiggy by name only. Um, I think there's a lot more. I think this, I think he and others like him can really be elevated through proper uh, storytelling. I agree. And the other thing that I like is the most interesting characters in life outside of surfing included are guys who go through struggle. Challenge breeds character, you know? And so the big wave tour guys are fascinating characters because number one, they don't get paid really adequately. So they're struggling to cobble together funds to get across the world. And it's expensive to travel with nine foot boards too, you know? And then they're getting to those places and they're doing heroic feats. They are gladiators. So it's, it takes a really special breed to even have the desire to do that and the physicality, the athleticism to do it. And then to persevere without the financial backing and still go put your life on the line, it breeds for super interesting characters, you know? So that's the ripest storyline that that the WSL or anybody, a filmmaker, could cultivate. Yeah, I agree. I mean, think of how many... I bet it would be interesting just to be see a mashup of the different sponsors he's had in the last 10 years. I bet he's probably had 30 different people that he's had to like convince to give him some backing. Nichols, too. They're not even giving him yeah, what. Yeah, right. He's yeah. cobbling it together. And then, you know, plus, you know, Twiggy's getting on in age. His window is closing quickly right. in the big wave realm, I would think. <clears throat> and then what's his what's his uh his social life like? Like does like it must be tough traveling around the world. I mean, I imagine that relationships are strained. Yeah. And then there's the whole Mavericks thing. I just think there's a lot to uncover and a lot to excavate with him. Right. Well, to answer your question about Samsung, um, they were the title sponsor for the WSL. So in the past, uh, the model, I mean, people probably know, but the model that exists is we'd had all these individual sponsors for individual events. WSL has kind of changed the model a little bit and they wanted to still have individual sponsored events, but they weren't able to secure a lot of them in recent years. So they've brought on these kind of title sponsors for the entire entire season. Samsung being one of them. I don't know if we Jeep. just Jeep was one of them. Jeep's still in, according to my sources, Jeep is in, but at lower dollars. This well, year. And everything came in at lower dollars than anticipated. And I don't remember the exact numbers or if we discussed them on the show, so I'm apprehensive to just say them now. But it was like, I think they were asking like 
three times what they got from Samsung. Right. You know, in the end, Samsung's like, dude, we're not paying that price. Here's what we'll pay you. Your numbers don't support it. Your numbers are all projections, and this is what we'll give you this year. And apparently, maybe they weren't happy. Well, Nick with what- Carroll wrote a really good piece okay. for, um, I think it was SwellNet. And he basically said, look, Samsung's been in the surf space for a long time, even before the WSL. And they sponsored guys and, you know, whoever it was, um, not Steph Gilmore, but maybe Sally Fitzgibbons, a bunch of surfers. And what Nick really pointed out is that, look, Samsung's like a 30 billion or probably more, like 50 billion, maybe 100 billion. I don't know, just ridiculous amount. So the the small little nickels and dimes that they're throwing at the WSL is nothing to Samsung. And Nick sort of put it like, hey, they're just testing the waters to see if this thing is going to grow. And if it's going to grow, we'll stay with it. If we're going to get more eyeballs, we'll stay with it. And he also pointed out, hey, Samsung's throwing money at like girls indoor volleyball and, you know, Indian cricket. And like they're throwing money at all sorts of different sports to kind of see, okay, which ones are the ones that are growing eyeballs and those are the ones we'll stay with. So it speaks kind of volumes that they've pulled back from surfing, which isn't, you know, as Nick pointed out, it's not necessarily a good sign for, for pro surfing. Right. Uh, Google tells me, or Forbes actually tells me, that Samsung's market value in 2016 was $216 billion Right. With an M. So throwing five. I'm just kidding. Billion with a B. Yeah, with a B. So I don't need, let's just say even $20 million is nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't know how much they gave. They didn't give them $20 million. They probably gave them $5 million, $3 million, $1 million. I think it was closer to one. So they're just like, here, we'll, t- we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And now we're pulling out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not good. Not good. Not a good sign. No. Uh, so what does that mean moving forward for 2017? We don't well, really Dave know yet. Well, Dave Prodan put out, you know, when the WSL was asked to elaborate, they finally put out a little press saying, hey, we had a great run. We wish Samsung the best. And we're excited about some stuff sponsorship-wise that's on the... That's 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 taking place now that we'll announce shortly. Yeah. So what do you read into that? I'll read you his exact quote. Okay. He said in response to Beach Grit when Beach Grit broke the rumor and then asked Prodan for a quote, he said That was our rumor, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that we never got out there. He said, that's correct. Samsung will not be the title sponsor for the championship tour in 2017. The WSL's official statement is, quote, Samsung has been a great partner for the surfing community over the past three years, elevating the sport to new heights and honoring the community's heritage. We thank them for their partnership and look forward to the 2017 season. The WSL is excited about upcoming announcements in the commercial space. More to come when available. So your question is, what do we read into that? Yeah, what do you read into upcoming nothing. announcements? I read nothing into <laughs> kind that. Of do I, too. Think, I don't think... That's just an optimistic I mean, of course, spin. Yeah, we're going to have announcements. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, but we're going to have an announcement about something, so it's not a lie, but it doesn't mean that we have some bigger, better thing that we're moving on to and we're going to infuse new cash and life into this. That's not what that means. Would it surprise you if there was a, a relationship with Red with uh, Monster or Red Bull that... that- it would surprise me if it was Monster. The Red Bull thing has been, I think, on the table and off the table over the years. So with Speaker but- stepping down, does that now like smooth out some of the wrinkles in relationships and maybe somebody can come in that has a Red Bull relationship? It's, it's possible. What my thought is, is remember when Kelly left Quicksilver? It was kind of like my, I thought Kelly, as a, Kelly Slater as a brand has outgrown 
anything that Quicksilver can provide for him. Kelly Slater can go do whatever he wants. He can start a clothing company that will rival Quicksilver. He can build a wave pool. He can build a surfboard brand. He can own the waves and the surfboards and the clothing and everything that we do as surfers because he's Kelly Slater and he's 11-time world champ. What does the WSL have to offer Red Bull? Red Bull's running the Cape Fear event. They're Vulcan Pipe Pro. They did a phenomenal job with. Like, well, what the only thing they have is is professional surfing in a format that that restricts pros from being involved in Red Bull stuff. They so that's do, their leverage for momentarily. It is right, but exactly, without main, exactly. maintaining sponsorship, how long can they continue to right. fund? So does Red Bull just sit on the sidelines and wait for it to implode? And when Red Bulls tried to work with the WSL, it's like. The WSL put parameters on what they were and weren't allowed to do. We're not, you're not allowed to wear your hats on the stage. And so then Jordy Smith, who would have a Red Bull hat on, they would zoom in tighter on his face to cut out the frame of his hat. That's all changed. Yeah. Well, it has now. Yeah. But it's because they'd had, I think WSL had to concede. Right. But, but I think Red Bull has taken the stance that I just said, which is like, yeah. hey, guys. You don't realize we're the big kids. Right. We're far more profitable than you guys are. We're far larger. We have more eyeballs. We have more everything. Like, why are you yeah. begging us to come play at your table? Here's what we'll offer to contribute to your table. But if you're not going to play by our rules, we'll wait it out. And when you're off the playground, we'll just start our own tour. Yeah. Look around. Exactly. Look at what we've done in motocross. Look at what we've done in skating. Look at what we've done in snowboarding. Yeah. You know? I agree. That's, that's totally it. So, you ever drink Red Bull? I have, but <laughs> do, do I yearn for it? No. I don't think I've even had one. Oh, man. Back back when I used to go to Hawaii for Surfer Magazine, I was um, Mick O'Brien and Jamie O'Brien were nice enough to let me set up shop and shoot photos from his backyard, and that place was just stocked with Red Bulls, man. Oh, okay. I got more Red Bull than I needed to deal with when i was there but it kept you going i think i've been in like a social drinking environment where like that was mixed in and that's probably how i had it but like right. i've never drank a can of it you know? yeah so anyway so um i see here that gabe medina's dad has been disallowed from the wsl oh yeah tour i read that story when it broke He's been Remind suspended. Me. Remind me. What Charles happened. Serrano has been, this is Gabby's stepfather, right? Charles Serrano has been suspended from attending WSL from October 2016 through April 2017. So temporary. That's through the snapper event, right? Yeah. Temporary restraining order. According to a press release. And this is what Charles said. Is it Rodriguez? I regret my actions in Portugal last October, Charles Rodriguez said. This is not the kind of person I strive to be and does not reflect the values of my family. It was an intense part of the season, and I responded poorly to it. I want to apologize to the WSL, the officials, and supporters of this community. This sport has given everything to my family and continues to provide a platform for the world's best surfers. Good luck to everyone this season. Now, during the 2016 Rip Curl Pro in Portugal, Medina faced Jeremy Flores in round three, and had he won that exchange, the title race would have continued to pipeline. But Medina didn't win, and John John Florence clinched his first world title. And towards the end of that round three matchup, Medina needed a wave in the eight-point range to overtake Flores, but his scores fell short, particularly one seven-point ride, which was contentious. Hmm. It's unclear what exactly happened after that. 
One thing is for sure, Charlie, don't surf, at least not this year <laughs> through April. And I'm not sure where I grabbed that from. It might have been from Surfline. It might but have been in the comment section. <laughs> I think it was. There's a lot of good comments wherever I grabbed this. It was either Beach Grid or Stab or somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. So we don't know what he said or well, what he And did. one of the comments was, well, what about Philippe Toledo's dad? Isn't it? Is it yeah, his dad yeah. is just like really over the top. Ricardino, yeah. Ricardino or whatever. Well, he's over the top in terms of cheering and whistling and hooting and hollering, but I don't know that he's accosted anybody or created any problems. Well, we don't know that Charlie – did Charlie accost? We don't know, but um, in that Surfline article, they said in the heat – somebody watched the heat analyzer of that heat in that event – and Medina is seen congratulating Flores on the win, but perhaps Charlie wasn't so pleasant, it says. So I, I guess, oh. I don't know. Wow. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Interesting. I see Owen Wright's back on tour. Dude. So Guy's I'm ripping. so psyched. I'm really psyched on, on your that. team? Not yet, but Owen, I was really worried about Owen. I, we yeah. we kind of touched on it throughout the show, yeah. but I really felt like, dude, something serious is up with the guy, and head injuries are so sketchy. So he started posting Instagrams, I don't know, a month or two ago, but he was like riding a longboard, and I was like, uh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> if he's yeah. getting back in the water and he's only on a longboard, I'm not sure this is uh, he's going to return to full form. But he did a, Q, he did a QS event, and... Looked like he was ripping, not necessarily up to his old form, but he was ripping, you know. And since then, he's posted other things like surfing proper overhead barreling waves. Did you see the shacked. recent one, the backside yeah. one? Where was that? Somewhere in was that Snapper? It had no, it wasn't Snapper. It looked like it was like Morocco or, but it was warm water. Yeah, it was warm water, but it was kind of dark and chocolatey, right? Yeah, but it was a legit, it had to be Australia. legit mean sand bottom barrel yeah like a legit wave where, where if your head got hit it would be of consequence if I, you slammed your head against the water there it reminded me actually when the clip first started i thought it was a throwback to paniche exactly that's what it looks where like. he busted his eardrum and so i thought he was going to say like oh here's that one wave i busted my eardrum on five years ago but then it said no. It's like, oh, good to be back in the water, and he's wearing trunks. Yeah, and the water's warmer out. than yeah, Panish. Yeah, so it wasn't Panish. But, but yeah, Somewhere. it's good to see him returning to form for sure. Now, here's my question to you. Like other sports, will the WSL have to adopt, or would it be wise for them to adopt some sort of concussion protocol? I mean, all it's going to take is for him to come out of the water after a wipeout and look sort of dizzy, and isn't it on the WSL to go, hey, man, we just can't have our athletes surfing with concussions? Or puts us in a liable situation, you know? Think, Will there be concussion protocol? I think you got to follow the NFL's lead or something, you know, because... Which is over the top. They go out of their way to make sure that there's doctors there. Otherwise, the NFL would be liable. I don't think the NFL would give a crap, except for they sort of well, have they, to. they now have to. Right, because of legal reasons. Well, yeah. Liability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is the WSL worried about that, concerned about that? Do I'm they sure. need to have a protocol, a doctor on hand, in the water, in the lineup, on a ski? I'm sure they're worried about it. The answer to those questions, I don't know, because I'm not What should they do? Do you think... They should have a doctor on site, on a ski, in the lineup of cloud break, ready to rush out there. Because in the NFL, if you get hit, they don't wait for you to wave your hand. They just come out and grab you and say, it's not up to you. It's up to yeah. us. Yeah. Well, there'll be a doctor that has to call a timeout, stop the heat, go out there and check on this guy. The answer of should they is yes, they should. 
But look, it's do a, you want it's them a, to? And it's a business. It's like, yeah, you should have those, like all sorts of things at those events, fully catered with like drone shots, live streaming, like you know. But yeah. you just can't do all of it all the time. So health should be put at the top of the priority list for sure. Um, How would you feel as an end user as the heat gets stopped because of? I would not be psyched on protocol. that. No, I'd be Slowing like, suck it up, dude. Get back out there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would not be happy as the end user at right. all. Yeah. But, okay. I don't know if I told you this or not. Um, Kyle Tierman does a podcast now. And he did an interview with Sean Dollar, uh, the big wave. He's won, like, two XXL awards, Yeah, I think, and he had a really like, bad injury. Right. That was the most interesting part. This Almost the entire show was about his head injury. Or not... He had multiple concussions over the years, you know, from surfing Mavericks all the time. So it was about him recovering from head trauma. That was the majority of the show. And all this new um, therapy, new meaning like it's not fully vetted by the scientific community, but it's shown tremendous improvement for him. So I found all of that to be really interesting. And there's, of course, all sorts of new research about depression and bipolar disorder related to head trauma like junior Seau, you know committed suicide yeah like a lot of that gets traced back to this head trauma and concussion so um it was really really fascinating and i'm not doing it justice by just yeah. giving you the cursory but listeners who have any interest should go back and listen to that kyle tierman show the sean dollar episode hmm. because you're right. The WSL does need to be concerned about it. Well, the NFL has this thing. It's called CTE. It's chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Enceph- encephalopathy? Don't know. Pro- saying that wrong. They call it CTE. And it's the progressive degenerative disease of the brain found in athletes that have a history of repetitive brain trauma, including symptomatic concussions, as well as sub-concussive hits to the head. And it affects boxers as well. And, of course, this is what you're talking yeah. about. It's attached to Mike Webster was the center for the Pittsburgh Steelers who committed suicide. There's been and, – and so this is the type of thing that now does the WSL have to look at this and, like I mentioned, protocols. It's interesting. We'll see where it takes With us. more science validating some of the effects, then, yeah, I think you do have to start taking it more seriously. Um, so in regard to the WSL – the 2017 Quicksilver Pro waiting period starts on March 14th. Wow, it's so late. It's late, but it's coming up, man. I mean, it's less than two weeks away. And there's probably a ton that we could discuss. We could do a full show of that. But I want to remind listeners that we do have a Fantasy Surf Clubhouse. So if you want to play Fantasy Surfer, by the way, it is Fantasy Surfer is as, opposed, as opposed to the WSL's version of it. Right. FantasySurfer.com. Create a team or create an account, select a team, and then go to the clubhouse section and look for Surf Splendor. Last time, at the end of last season, we had like 450 members. So you can just play along for free. But then we also have a wager, and you can – Find out the rules for how to wager in that clubhouse on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Basically, we do $10 per event and the winner takes all. So we had one instance last year where two people tied an event. And so we just split the winnings down the middle. But for the most part, winner takes all. Do you know, if is that website live? Can people start getting involved? I think so. Yeah. You can always get involved. 
they never take it down throughout. The so season. March fourteenth is the start. Yep. And that's ten days away, nine days away, eleven days away, eleven days away. So are we going to do another show before then? I'd like to. We need to do a show before then. Okay. A, pre, a WSL WCT preview show. Let's do it. The end of next week. Yeah, a week from today. Okay. Something like that. All right, let's do that. Um, when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. What else you got, Scott? Man, there was another shark attack at Reunion Island. This has oh, caused gosh. quite quite a big oh, uproar, larger uproar than I even realized upon doing some research about this. But um, look, a few weeks ago, David, around 9.30 in the morning, a 26-year-old bodyboarder was killed while in the water at the Rivermouth Wave on the northeast end of the island. The spot was restricted to swimmers due to shark activity, according to the BBC. But the deceased bodyboarder and his friends ignored the signs. And this marks the 20th, 20th attack on Reunion Island since 2011, the eighth of which was a fatal attack. The shark scare peaked in 2013 when officials banned surfing, swimming, and bodyboarding on more than half of the coastline. But in 2015, two years after the ban, a 13-year-old surfer, Elilio Canestri, very sad situation, young man was killed while surfing in an unmonitored area. Then in 2016, in response to the high volume of attacks, the government installed protective shark nets around portions of that coastline. But even then, a shark attacked someone by evading the barrier through a hole in the net. Hmm. Now, David, everybody in the surf world knows that Kelly Slater chimed in on this latest controversy, the latest attack. And that stirred up quite a shitstorm. And um, 
Kelly basically suggested, hey, maybe it's time to think about culling the population of bull sharks. Right. Obviously, if people are dying, we need to do something about this. And this caused a major deal, a bigger deal than I realized. Um, I will say that there's a guy named Christophe Fontaine, who's of the Association of Something or Other, Savagard de Requien. I, I can't speak French, but. And he basically is saying, hey, man, our friends are getting killed because of the conservation efforts. And we're sick of it. And so if they're going to kill our children, we're going to kill them. And if you are going to protect them, then we're going to kill you. This guy basically put out a death threat. He said, people like you are allowing my friends to die, eaten by sharks. And whether or not you get it or not, we don't give a fuck. You come here and we'll kill you. We'll kill your children, your family, and we'll piss on your grave and the one that you're dearest to. Because that is what you have been doing to us since the beginning. So these are pretty strong words from Christophe <laughs> Fontaine. And um, that's just part of it. I mean, this has really yeah. sparked some major controversy. Now, Kelly Slater has since backpedaled. You think so? Well, here's his comment. Mm -hmm. This, you know, what got involved, uh, what. What happened is that Paul Watson from Sea Shepherd got involved. A lot of conservationists got involved and went, Kelly, 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 hold on, dude. Hold on here. Let's think this through. And um, Kelly recently put out a statement that said, I would like to address, and this is from Kelly Slater, I would like to address my comment about the recent bull shark attack in Reunion Island. I did not think my words through. It is easy to get emotional given the recent history with sharks that the local community has suffered, especially when young lives are lost. However, killing anything in hopes of a solution is not in line with my philosophies about life and I don't believe are a long-term fix to an ongoing problem. This is a good time to put energy and intelligence into finding a solution that works for everyone, utilizing technology, science, and human emotion. I know a solution can be found that works for all parties, I'll continue to learn about and put energy towards efforts to defend and protect our oceans. Sincerely, Kelly Slater. Hmm. You're right. That is a backpedal. Yes. And I just found that this morning. Oh, okay. Now, a statement from the family of the gentleman who died. <clears throat> our family do not want the death of Alex to be used to justify this or that. Nor do we wish that one accused wild animals for the death of Alex. Alex was a great enthusiast and was fully aware of the risks he was taking. That's from his family. By the way, this Alex guy was also a shark spotter on the island. Mm. He knew what was going on. And he chose to ignore the yeah. situation and go try to catch some waves. Mm. So... Look, there's a, you can read a lot more yeah, yeah. about this. I mean, it's pretty in depth. Obviously, there's it's quite polarizing, and there's it really is one side of the equation and the other side of the equation. And Kelly really inflamed the situation by being such a public figure, which I on told it. Kelly in his Instagram I thought was good. I was like, look, I don't know if you're right or wrong. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but the point is that you're making a statement about it. And if more pro athletes in, in positions of power would just throw out, hey, let's start talking about this, which is really what Kelly did. He, he did. Said, he said, let's yeah. just start talking and about it. he said, it. I'll read every comment yes. on my thing, which, by the way, are in the thousands. Yes. And I'll reply to those if I have time. 
And he did. I saw him replying to a lot of people. Yeah. So he was totally. And so I applaud Kelly for throwing himself out there. You I know, agree like, completely. look, he's not an expert. I'm not an expert. But you know what? We're talking about it right now. And yeah. it's a good thing. Yeah, you know, we couldn't not comment on it on the show because it was such a big news story that lasted over the course of at least a week. Yes. And a lot of people had strong opinions about it, but I was apprehensive to bring it up on the show because I don't have a strong opinion about it. It's like I don't know what the best thing to do is. And what I what it does seem to be the case is that the reason why there's so many attacks is because um there's been this man has already gotten involved and done this conservation effort and now there's tons of fish everywhere so now the sharks are going into hyper activity and overdrive to eat all the fish so it's like it's not like nature took its course and we're in the ocean and it's continuing to take its course it's that man intervened at some point created this surplus of fish and now it's stimulating another part of the ecosystem the shark population yeah you're right that's that's really what the conservations are saying that look when you kill something and take it out of the the um, cycle there that something's going to fill that void another yeah. species is going to come in like you just you know and again we think we're pretty smart as a human species but sometimes you know i mean it's been proven we've done some stupid ass shit you oh know, chernobyl all fukushima blah all blah blah so I don't know. You're right. I'm not an expert. You're not an expert. The answer is let's talk about it. And that's why we applaud Kelly for talking about it. And by the way, the guy took a lot of heat. And everyone, I think, should lay off of him and be thankful that people are talking about it, no matter which side of the equation you're on. I just don't understand people's vitriol. Like, because, because Kelly said openly like hey i'm not an expert but here's my thoughts on it right now i'll listen to your feedback and people are just like they immediately go you, you murderer yeah you deserve to die like I, it's I know, like it's what? just like dude step what? back from the too much red bull <laughs> i i was like I, yeah i, don't I know i read all. some of the, the stuff and i'm like so poor, crazy poor kelly i mean he's just trying to have a conversation and people are just going they immediately, like, they don't even start with, hey, Kelly, thanks for your insights. Yeah. I think you might be wrong. Let me try to convince you otherwise. Here's some things you might, you know, I might suggest to you. Instead, it's just like, you're an effing kook surfer. Yeah. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on here. I don't think you need to even be in this discussion. And do you think that's going to convince Kelly to exactly. change his mind? Thank and you. then, And then lastly, do you live your life with that much ire? You just walk around all day feeling that amount of hatred towards strangers? Sadly, that, people do. Like, what the heck, dude? Sadly, Go people... Go home and kick the dog and yell at your... They, like, you I don't... What? What's Fear. Happening, people dude? live in fear. Yeah. And self-centered fear. I'm not going to get what I want. They've got what I want. Or you're not going to give me what I want. Therefore, that's how... That's my basis. That's my default for everything I'm going to... All my actions, words, and deeds are going to be based from that starting point. Yeah. And it's a super scary place to be. It is bizarre to me. It's confusing to me. Um, the other detail is I have like eight to ten important things on any given day that I need to focus my energy on more than the shark calling in Reunion Island. <laughs> I know. And I it's know. like, yeah, I care about that from a global perspective. And Let me know how make, it goes. But. Right. Let me know how it works out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dude. Like, I've got legitimate things. I've got brothers and siblings and, like, a yeah. girlfriend and, like, family. And, like, there's just stuff that I got to handle today. Yeah. I, like, need the- I, I can't devote a ton of energy to yelling at Kelly Slater no. about sharks. Yeah, for hours on Crazy, end. Crazy, To dude. try to win him over. And if you do have that much time and vitriol, 
reevaluate your life, dude. <laughs> Thank you. Go to work. Get a job. Thank you. You know, like that, honestly, that's all part of my thought process when I'm reading the comments. None of it actually convinces me to change my opinion on the subject. Matter, I know. You know? It's, so. it's, 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 yeah, it's a weird situation, but, um, yeah. Well, um, segue into the Kelly portion of the show. Uh oh. Did you see the mesmerizing wave pool footage that he put out? Yes, I GoPro? put it on. I put it on my Instagram. I I've mean, become the really good at reposting other people's <laughs> I stuff. I notice <laughs> it means you don't have to create your own content. <laughs> I mean, who creates content these days? It's really about distribution. You and I, you and I right here, right. we're creating and we're distributing. It takes so much time and effort. Let's just take somebody else's. This is the the like we're in the wild west right now yes in terms of podcasting like this is the new frontier you and i are breaking i've been in this ground. frontier i'm like uh you who, i'm like you are I'm like daniel boone i'm like <laughs> you were lois hating. and clark dude like you i'm like meriwether lewis you were hacking down like trees i'm on a mission from thomas jefferson to get gps coordinates and survey the land and tell you you know what kind of fish stock is in the Missouri River? It was pretty. As far impressive. as podcasting is going, that's a hell of an analogy. It was pretty impressive what you did for us podcasters. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Yeah, I'm in the podcast hall of fame. Back when we called it internet radio, yeah, didn't exactly. there was no term podcast. No, I come from a long line of podcasters. Actually, my gran- <laughs> my great grandfather was a podcaster. Right, it's a scales family so, tradition. Tell me about Kelly. You were saying <laughs> so. Kelly has been holding on, I guess, to this footage for a while from his wave pool, but it's the best footage we've ever seen from his wave pool. It's so it's insane. Handheld GoPro footage um, with him getting barreled indefinitely, just sitting in a perfect barrel. And what's crazy is a couple of the images, there's not even a ripple of wind on the water. So it's just this sheet glass, perfect emerald green barrel. And he's. Not so he's holding the camera behind him so you can kind of see past his body and out the tube, but then he'll actually look back at the camera. He's got these piercing blue eyes. The guy is gorgeous. Oh he's the silver surfer. And I'm just like, wow, I'm mesmerized, number one, by the barrel, but now by those deep blue eyes. I can see into <laughs> Kelly's soul. <laughs> I could see what it takes to make 11 world titles. Right. And it was just like, this is hypnotic. Yes. It was the raddest footage i've seen ever of injury it was like crazy it was so good and and you know what's weird about it is that it almost got overlooked i mean it didn't buy us and by the surf world but it just shows you how crazy social media is like we're just inundated with so much stuff like if that would have been the first video that went out when he announced the wave park oh how insane that would have been but because there was already the first video that went out when he announced the wave park this one was like yeah, okay, it's an insane edit for sure. It's like mind-blowing, but it's not even parking lot fodder, really. It's just like it happened, and next week we will have forgotten about it. Whereas it's the initial true. video that we saw a couple of years ago or whatever, whenever it was, that's still kind of in our psyche. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised just that it isn't even more popular among the GoPro videos on YouTube. Like, there's probably videos of like... Um, well, that left in Nambia, right? That, that yeah. footage that, of Koa Smith is just mental. Right. Or was it Alex Smith? Koa. I mean, um, one of the Smith brothers. They both were there, but the one yeah. that you're talking about is Koa. Yeah. Um, but like there's footage – like I just pulled up YouTube. Remember the guy, the motocross racer, Robbie Madsen, put a ski oh, on I've the Oh, I've got mo- a story then, about that. And then – I know because that's in the news too. Uh, 
he did that at Cloudbreak, rode his motorcycle at Cloudbreak with a ski on it. Yeah. That has 25 million views on YouTube. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And I'm surprised that Kelly's... Is that the power of Red Bull or the power of the content? I mean, Red Bull distributes... No, that was DC. Oh, that was... I thought it that was, was a, a Red DC Bull project. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, I again, Kelly, it's... I'm going to pull up his right now. His has a quarter of a million views. Yeah. So, it's just... It's just like, another it video. Not, yeah. Just another video. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Really. But man, I want to surf that wave. I know. And it does it, it, like it does look like there was just the right amount, just the lightest offshore breeze. Like it was just perfectly groomed. Like you say, not a drop of water. I mean, there's not a drop of water out of place. Anyway, the interesting thing is, right. Okay. So that's got to be the first wave. Because the thing with that wave pool is that you need 15 minutes for the water to calm down after a wave breaks. There's one wave every 15 minutes. And if in that 15 minutes the wind goes on shore or something, it's going to take longer for the pool to sure. calm down. So that so, wave just looks like it was the first wave of the morning. Yeah. Maybe. Um, why is he wearing a full suit in, in one, one wave and then trunks in the next? I think it's two different days almost. I don't think it could change that much. He's inland. The water temperature is not changing that much. Yeah. You think he's just toughing it out? I don't know. He's got to be. Maybe he needed some an outer known ad. He's like, I'll just put my outer known clothes on. He's probably wearing Volcom, though. Probably. I don't even know. I, I think I don't he's know. just toughing it out. I think he's just like, screw it. I'm going to go. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to use that to transition to the Robbie Madsen story? I didn't fully follow it, but I saw. Some I know of the enough. I just learned a little bit about it that that because there was a guy. I know a guy that was out at at Puerto. what happened. It was no. I'm talking about Toto Santos. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's so right. Toto Santos, Mexico, the island off of Mexico, big wave break. It's called Killers, and there was a bunch of guys out there. Not a bunch, just a couple of boats of big wave surfers that were out there one day, and then this helicopter showed up and two this, weeks ago, and this boat showed up with this Robbie Madsen guy, and they were trying to line it up so that. He could ride that motorcycle off into the big wave and chase the big wave around or whatever he does on that motorcycle thing on the ocean surface. But they had helicopters. They had helicopters. Full film production crew. Yeah, and there was a whole crew of surfers out there that were riding the waves. And they're like, oh, God, look what showed up, you know? Yeah. And but apparently there were some words going down. I think Gary Linden might have said something to him. And a bunch of other surfers basically said, hey, beat it. And by the time... And there was words from the other side going, hey, we paid a bunch of money. We hired a helicopter. We're going to do this stunt, you know. And by the time they got their act together, the wind came up to such a point that it was this Robbie Madsen guy was unable to ride his motorcycle on the ocean surface in 20-foot Toto Santos. Yeah. But, you know, to Gary Linden and the guys surfing it, they're like, dude, we've been surfing this place for decades. We wait for the right swell, the right everything. And now we're here. We put in all our hard work. You guys show up and just overrun the lineup. Like, you're not welcome here. Get out of here, you know? Yeah. And it's really kind of an infraction on nature, you know, to bring all this stuff into this kind of reserve or this. Yeah, I don't know about that part. I mean, if there's a big wave contest there, there's a lot of stuff there. There's helicopters sure. and all that crap, you know. But I, I just think that. It's one of those things that, look, if you show up with a motorcycle and a boat and a helicopter and there's people already there, you've, you're out. You yeah. just don't get a chance. It's just common etiquette. It's kind of like the jet skis at Jaws. If there's guys paddling, you're not allowed. Right. Right. So, interesting, but I'm on the side of Gary Linden. Whatever he says, I agree Me with. Me too. Um, there's a bunch. Go ahead. I was going to say there's a whole bunch of... Uh, web 
surf videos that I want to point people's direction to. Yes. Uh, I'll have them posted on surfsplendorpodcast.com, of course. But Surfer Magazine just released – they're in the middle of releasing a three-part film series called The Cradle of Storms, which was about the trip that Chris Burkhardt did to Alaska with Josh Mulcoy, Alex Gray, somebody else. I forget who the third surfer was. Um, but, I mean, they remember the cover shot on Surfer Magazine with the volcano in the background? Yes. Covered in snow and Mulcoy doing a snap in yeah. the foreground? It's that trip. And, you know, you've been on plenty of surf trips. A lot of work goes into it. And oh, yeah. a lot of planning and then once you're there loading up the car driving to the spot well in alaska multiply that by 10 because it's never been done before there's no paved roads on the island that they're on literally so they're taking atvs everywhere and it's frigid of course atv ride from where they're camped out to where the waves are is an hour on like a muddy trail and then you get to that spot and it's like, you know what would be better is that other cove. So then you ride another <laughs> hour and then the winds shift. And so it's a nightmare. So none of that was – or a, it was hard to convey that when they ran the story in the magazine a year ago. But through this video, they actually are able to really break it down. And they're doing it in three parts over the course of three weeks. Part two just got published last night. They're about eight minutes long each. And they're definitely so eight minutes is bite sized and uh, they're worth watching. Cool. Yeah. I'll check that out as long as we're on this line of thinking. And you mentioned Alex Gray, and I know everyone's seen this video, but it needs to be brought up is the recent drop, I think it was yesterday, of the big swell that all of Europe received. And of course, Northern Africa and the whole African east, uh, Western coast there. Uh, Morocco, right? So Alex Gray just got the most insane pitted barrels in Morocco. Yeah. And I think it was just yesterday or the he, day before. He posted two two video clips. Yeah. yeah. And it's just mental. And you got to check it out. And it's on my Instagram and it's on Surfline and it'll be on Boardroom Show and it'll be on uh, surfsplenderpodcast.com. Yeah, I agree with you. I saw those clips and I was like, holy crap. Like, and he was styling. I love the way he took off and just like really. It looked like he had a GoPro in either his oh, mouth or in his hand. Okay. But check it out. I, I kept looking at it and going, I think there's a GoPro footage that we're going to see from that. But okay. it was just this mean sand bottom Moroccan point barrel that basically looked like backdoor pipeline the way it just kept throwing sections. And you kept saying, oh, I don't think he's going to make that section. Yeah. And he just kept highlighting it. But through long. The Super long. Like yeah. Long. So a backdoor section, but five of them. Yeah, maybe three of them. I was actually trying to go, okay, if this was backdoor, right about now you'd think he's going to – another section might throw. Sometimes backdoor's got quite a few sections. Yeah. Anyway, it's mind-blowing. It's deep. It's it's draining. It's got that sort of sand-sucking quality to it. Sort of like um, mainland Mexico where they had the Rip Curl event, the search event. I yeah. forget the – Barra. Yeah. Sort of like Barra. It's got that Barra vibe. Yeah. From bigger the, from the 2006 rip curl event but it was bigger bigger and yeah. just radical cool but perfect and have you if you've never been to morocco and you're a regular foot surfer you have to go to morocco yeah. in the winter time in yeah. february or march it's it's regular foot heaven and there's yeah. plenty of waves down there and plenty you'll have it to yourself you know the main spots have crowds but there's so many waves down mm-hmm. there super good well, spot to go to and i noticed alex is off volcom Really? Yeah. That's too bad. I know. Because that was his sponsor for a long time. And they actually... That guy is a sponsor's dream. Yeah. They also dropped um, Parker Coffin, too. 
I don't know if they're thinning the herd or what. Oh, well, obviously they are. And then we actually talked about Connor Coffin being off Hurley. Yeah. He got picked up by Rib Curl. Yeah. Which we actually said that's probably going to happen. Well, that did happen. Um, Look, also, there's a bunch of red hot surfers. There's just not enough sponsors. Yeah, exactly. So also in the realm of web videos, Dane Reynolds and Craig Anderson launched their new clothing line. It's called Former. And they've done it on the platform of the world of pornography. Like, you know, there's what there's dot. Oh yeah. Dot XXX. Yeah, yeah. There's dot com. There's dot net. I heard like five years ago that like porn was all going to transition onto the dot XXX portal, I yeah. guess is what it is. And so I've never seen that be used before, but now I don't know if that's a very form- good marketing move. I don't I'm, think not, anything I'm not, they're going, doing every- I'm not going to dot XXX I or anything. I did it work. And then I was like, hey, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. I don't think you should. Yeah, that's but it's a- for, it's their clothing brand, you know? So well, it's- <laughs> tell that to your boss. <laughs> yeah. Former dot XXX <laughs> is what it, the website is. Right. So they Craig or uh, Craig Anderson, Dane Reynolds and a skateboarder, Austin Gillette, I think is his name, Yeah, um, started this clothing brand. So the drop that Craig did. Well, they used a surf video basically to drive a lot of attention to the website on the day that they launched the website. And the video is the main reason for going to that website. Like Craig's video is super sick. It's yeah. all Craig. There's no Dane footage. And it's... Um, you could criticize, you know, the stylized editing of it, but the, you can't criticize the surfing. Craig is shredding. He's getting these backdoor pits at various spots, rights and lefts, mostly Australia, maybe getting towed into a couple of them, but it's so sick. He takes off on a few of them that are, well, I mean, double overhead, just as wide as they are tall, setting up backdooring the thing, and you're like, well... That's a closeout. There's no chance he's coming out of that, and he makes them. And he's so stylish. You know, it's yeah. radical. It's really rad to watch. So I'd check that edit. And he does some insane alley oops and straight airs, and really rad surfer. Cool. Yeah, good to see. Did you check out their clothing line? I'm. I typed in former.com to see what yeah. happens. I know it's okay. .xxx, but I'm just wondering who owns former.com and. Nothing's coming up. I can't. It's like the site won't even load. I read a story actually that a guy squatted on it. Like they said that would be, oh, no, no, no. They were actually going to call the brand Destroyer originally. And when they put that information out there, some random dude bought Destroyer.com and then offered to sell it to them for 15K or something. And they were just like, uh, we'll just change the name to Former. (laughs) Like we're not going to do that. Um, So. Anyway, did you look at the clothing? I, I just what I saw on Beach Grit, I think, or, or like, weren't they kind of, didn't they launch with Beach Grit or something? No, or? Beach Grit, they accidentally made the website live. And one of our listeners, I think it was Adam Jara, who's written a few articles for Beach Grit, um, found the site before they actually like blasted it out. He oh, yeah. stumbled upon it. Yeah. And he's and like, then, it's here. And then he tried to buy a t-shirt and Dane emailed him back and was like, Hey, sorry. how'd you get here? Yeah. Okay. That's, how'd you get here? And we're not live yet. We're not yeah. going to send you that. But you know, would you mind? Cause I think Adam even posted an Instagram about it and they were like, would you mind taking that Instagram down? We're not ready to go live. Yeah. Yet. And Adam agreed and took it down. Uh, but Chaz and Derek got a hold of it somehow, yeah. and they well, were like, Adam's we're right- launching former with or without you. Yeah, Adam's been writing a couple articles for Beach Grid, so right. he fed it to them. But anyway. I haven't seen the clothes. Yeah. I'm not – I look, I'm not – I'm neither for nor against the clothes. I'm sure it's killer. I'm just not – I'm I'm a clothes guy. I'm not a – 
look at me. I wear Patagonia. I yeah. wear what my wife buys me. I don't really yeah. care too much one way or the other. Well, you know, as long as it's comfortable and soft, I'll wear it. Uh, yeah, but you have to have an opinion about it because there's so much hype leading up to it. Well, I haven't these, seen it, well, but I don't gonna, really care. Like what, to me, what I'm it's saying all is, the same. I'm not saying you, Scott Bastow. Oh. I'm just saying like. As a follower of surfing, you're going to have an opinion because there's a lot of hype. Right. And then Craig Anderson and Dane have defined surf style in recent years. Like they're kind of the go-to guys. And For what we wear or how we surf? Both. Because Quicksilver designed lines of clothing after Dane, you know? like Yeah, it, but no, I don't – I disagree you, with your theory that we give a shit about what they wear because they surf good or even because they're in our <laughs> – in, in the mainstream of, of what – I look at. I, they, I don't They care. influence style whether you agree yeah, with them or might. not. Yeah, they might. They don't influence they do. my style. Okay. I'm fine with that. And I doubt that they influence... They're maybe taste, I'm wrong. They're tastemakers, dude. Like, I'm telling you. That's right. why Quicksilver's You know what? You're them. right. You're probably right. So, I'm, I'm so like out check, of it. I'm so out of the check loop. it out. Check it out. I go to the website. I, again, don't care about my appearance that much. So I kind of... Except side for with, the chop-up. I side with you. The chop-up is a... Proof that I don't care about my appearance. <laughs> chop-up so, is awesome. So anyway... I go to the website to check out the clothing. It's so average, dude. It's so average. How? How is it average? You need to now elaborate. What's what's average about it? It doesn't jump out at you. It's not neon. What is it? It's none of the it's nondescript. It's just like It's just like regular, something I could get at Costco. A regular t shirt, right. a regular long sleeve, a regular button down that's black. Right. And then like a hoodie. Right. And a beanie and a pair of socks that right. was on their website. And it's not like overpriced. It's not underpriced. It's like the button down 65 US dollars, you know. And But it's nothing but that it's like, if I saw you walk in with it, I wouldn't go, oh, you're wearing what Craig and Dane are no, pushing. You not at all. You wouldn't say that. Right. And you also wouldn't even you wouldn't even on it. Right. You'd just be like, oh, you got a black button. Yeah, down. where'd you get that? Yeah. Uh, men's Warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> or Or anywhere like but isn't that the case of all clothing like i I mean i would do you know for instance i'm wearing a sweater right now do you know where the sweater comes from ll bean no but it it comes from a surf company oh really yeah i have no clue this is a quicksilver waterman's collection sweater but the point is is that yeah you have no clue because it all looks the same it might as well be ll bean and it's the same with surf other surf clothes it's like they're trying really hard to just be urban guy like well, they've so one of the articles I read about the launch of that was like they've really adopted the the skateboarding aesthetic. Dane and Craig both have, yeah. which is a little bit more grungy. It's more like durable, probably. Yeah, like you, know? you were at a Pearl Jam concert in '91 in Seattle yeah. or something. But and that's and so fine, that's, and I'm down with that. But I would ask you, isn't that what it all looks like? Like, isn't that what all of this clothing from all of these companies is more or less like is totally. like a I guess so. There's like because in the 80s when surf when the surf industry really took off with Billabong and with Quick and all of that, it was pretty loud. There was neon. nothing like it. It was yeah. there was neon. There was like you know like Billabong had patches of this color and patches of yeah. that color and it, it, but it was like distinctly really sti- surfing. It was distinct exactly, yeah. and that's my point. Is like everything now is might as well be LL Bean or Patagonia or United Colors of Benetton or it's all the Banana same, Republic, man. Yeah. Can you? T- I mean, you're wearing a Hurley T-shirt right now. No. What is it? Exactly, but it might as Plain well white be a T-shirt. It could be yeah. a Hurley shirt yeah. for all I know. Like, there's nothing. Even the branding, even the label. You know, back in the day, Quicksilver was loud and proud about that little patch. You yeah. know, and and I'm not for nor against it. I'm just saying, look. It's it's all the same. Like you 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 should make yourself stand out if yeah. you're going to call yourself something special. Yeah. Well, 
Uh, I don't get anything that they're doing. I'll be the first to say it. Like <laughs> we might be out of the demo. The, the, we're definitely out of the demo. I should By ask way, my you, son. You wearing the Waterman's collection from Quicksilver? They, you are their target market, dude. <laughs> I don't even think they do it anymore. By the way, no, they don't. It doesn't they exist. Don't, Quicksilver right. Waterman's collection does not exist. So, but isn't it a warm sweater? Wouldn't you purchase something like this for twenty five fifty? Scott, bucks? I'm not going to touch your sweater. Quit asking me to rub that. your sweater. I know <laughs> when we when you asked for that hug earlier, it was really kind of awkward uh so so check it though like i'll be the first to say i'm a big fan of dane reynolds and craig anderson surfing however i do not understand or get the branding that they're going for with former and you're right i'm probably not the demo but it's like the branding uh is so confusing you know like they're you can't name what their logo is. I can't name what their logo is. I'm not sure what their color scheme is. When you recognize like that dark green, you know it's Starbucks. Even if it's on a different logo, you know the Starbucks green or Target's red. Or there's just there's brand identities, you know? Exactly. And like Thank their you. Brand, That's all I'm saying. Their branding is horrible and, so and like is this branding and that branding yeah, like yeah, yeah. all of it is it's you know once you can see an h on some hurley stuff or they have those bands like on the right Wetsuit, that's the all you need bands. right like now that's, that's smart. iconic right. for hurley you for know? sure and anybody else who ever bans their wetsuit now will be called an opposer or like a copycat of hurley you know it's funny so i was brought into xterra wetsuits a couple of years ago just to talk with them about doing the show the boardroom show and stuff and i was like you guys need to put some sort of marking on your show, some on your wetsuit somewhere because, and I said basically what you just said. All you got, you can see a Hurley suit from a mile away and know it's a Hurley suit. Yeah. And you need to have that kind of situation with your wetsuits, whatever it is, however it is, wherever you put it. But yeah. it needs to be, oh, that guy's wearing an extra wetsuit. Well, I'm not sure if they take my so advice. Not, so not only has everything that Craig and Dane done with this company been kind of counter traditional marketing and branding their instagram handle isn't even former their instagram handle is called luxury 29.99 and it's just like that's even more confusing like everything you've done is so confusing that, that's so against of, every marketing all of the imagery is so confusing all of, and then so i thought well so they're gonna go anti-marketing and anti-branding and that's going to be their branding is the anti so then so then i looked at the clothing (laughs) i looked at the clothing thinking it was going to be contrarian you know like it's going to be something radical and then it was just not it was nondescript and i was just like what that doesn't match this kind of punk rock aesthetic that your edit has and that your logo or your various logos and all your instagrams have this chaos you know, I have chaos is their brand, by the way. That or that's not the name, but it is everything. It's chaotic. Is chaotic. I have some interesting insight from my 18 year old son, who's right in this the wheelhouse of Craig Anderson and Dane Reynolds. And yeah. I just texted him. I said, "What do you think of Dane Reynolds and Craig Anderson's new clothing line, Former?" And he just texted me back. He said, "I think it's rad, and I want to talk about it. When will you be home?" I'm watching my friend's heat at Seaside right now. I think former is kind of like the Need Essentials vibe. Okay. Which is interesting because that's Need Essentials and... Um, is no logo. Yeah, it's no all branding. kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Rob Colby, right? Yep. And it's all... And so that's what Hank's saying is that he thinks it's... So that's interesting, right? So maybe you yeah. and I are just old curmudgeons with chop hops. 
But Hank knows you, about you it. Wish you the thing that I was expecting him to say, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Because he loves Craig Anderson and Dane Reynolds. Like yeah, he's, that's the, he's there. So anyway, that's good news for Dane and Craig. Yeah. Maybe it's working. I don't know. Well, they clearly know something. Like they've made millions of dollars off of surfing, working for surf brands. So I would argue they know more than I do. I'm just saying I'm confused by it. Yeah. <laughs> Old man scales is confused by the young kids <laughs> and their punk rock clothing. Uh, I'll see you at LL Bean. But I do love the edit and I loved I do too. seeing Craig again. I, I know. I was surprised um, how there's some pretty big mean waves. He's, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's he, and he's so casual. He's yeah. so casual. He's the king of cash. He's like Rob Machado 2.0. Dane, or uh, Joel Parkinson 2.5. Joel Parkinson's nowhere near as stylish as Rob Machado or Craig Anderson. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Dude, he's the king he's of cash. Ro- he's got like robot style. Though. Get out of town, yeah. dude. No, I've never... There's something I've Parko's never liked. so casual. Something about... Yeah, he's I've Australian. Ne- no, no. I've, I have nothing against the person or his nationality i'm just something about his style look a million people hate my style i'm sure it's just an opinion but i don't think it's on par with machado or craig anderson as far as uber groovy like ryan burt style groovy i agree with you those guys are on a different level parko has it in the wsl realm like in the in the competitive surfing realm he's the buttery guy you know i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, whereas, anyway, moving on. One other video I want to point people's attention to is Ari Brown riding uh, Ryan Lovelace's The Rabbit Foot asymmetrical finless board in That's Bali. insane. Did that you is watch so that rad. Yeah. Does that make you want to try one of those boards, a, a, a finless board? It, it does. He's absolutely going berserk. He's, it's the best surfing I've ever seen done on a finless board. I he does say, blow one wave, though. He goes out that, the back too far. Dude, that thing barreled perfectly. That I was know. the best wave in the video. And is that Karamas? I, I couldn't tell. Yeah. I don't know. But he actually sc- slides up to the roof and does like a floater, like a 50-50 floater along the lip. And it's going to start pitching like perfectly. And he could have slid back down and got in it, but he slid out the back. Anyway, it's the best surfing I've ever seen done on a finless board. I will say it's also the best surfing I've ever seen done on a asymmetrical board. All that being said, I've ridden finless and... I get exhausted from squatting for that long. Like, and he throughout the entire video is squatting, knees fully bent, like his butt's almost on the board, grabbing the rail, the outside rail most of the time, especially when he's bottom turning. It's freaking hard on your knees. Yeah, right? it's a hard way to surf. I imagine you do have to stay low to kind of just you be sensitive to. to the rail because at any time the thing could spin out. So you want to be low to the ground. Low center of gravity is key when you're going finless. But it's radical. It's radical to watch, and it opens your mind for like ways to ride waves with fins, even. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it's definitely a, a very exciting clip, and you should everybody should check it out. Yeah, I got to wrap up because um, we're hitting the ninety minute mark, and I've got places to go. Oh. Yeah. So um, 
you know, 10 international shapers have been selected oh. to honor Al Merrick and the icons of foam tribute to the master shape off. That's taking place at the boardroom show May 6th and May 7th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. Of course, the uh, icons of foam presented by U.S. Blanks. So we're pretty excited. I'm going to give you the list of shapers that are going to be shaping. And I mean international. We've got the defending champion, Nick Palandrani. He's from Santa Cruz. So he's representing Northern California. Gary McNeil hails from Kira on the Australian Gold Coast. He's an accomplished surfer in his own right. He owns an Australian national title. And he makes boards for Dave Rostovich. We've got Zach Flores, a 17-year-old, 16-year-old. 16-year-old Zach Flores from Encinitas. And Zach is one of the youngest, if not the youngest. He joins Tazia Seen from the Canary Islands as either the youngest or one of the youngest surfers to ever, or shapers to ever shape in the Icons of Foam tribute to the master. So Zach. Wayne Rich. He's the first shaper that was selected by the Channel Islands and Al Merrick for this competition. Hmm. And he's a two-time champion. He's won in 2010 at the Reynolds Yater Icons of Foam and and also in 2011 at the Carl Ekstrom Icons of Foam. Matt Kazuma Kinoshita. Sweet. Representing Hawaii, the Maui. Kazuma label out of Maui, Hawaii. And he was mentored by 2014 Icon of Foam honoree Ben Ipa. We've got Ryan Sakel, Arise Surfboards. He's a second-generation shaper. His dad, of course, from the Sakel Surf Shop in Huntington Beach. Ryan lives in Lacadia, works at the Christensen Moonlight Factory, and uh, is a very good surfer in his own right and a great shaper. Chris Christensen, representing San Diego. Chris is a dear friend of mine. He was essential in formulating this shape-off concept when he and I traveled in Australia together in 2006. And um, Chris will be in the event. And he was a judge in the very first shape-off, Chris was. Johnny Cabianca. Johnny is another great surfer, but also a legendary shaper. And he shapes out of the Basque region of Spain. And Johnny Cabianca builds boards for Gab Medina, Gabby, Gabby Medina, Gabriel Medina. So um, more international flair there. John Pizel, originally from Santa Barbara and representing the North Shore of Oahu. And, of course, Pizel shapes board for the current WCT WSL world champion, John John Florence. I've heard of him. So we've got two world champion shapers. In the thing. Rex Marshall is the last of the 10 shapers. Another Australian from the central coast of the New South Wales region, state, I should say, shaping since the late 1970s. I went to high school with Rex. No way. He's from San Diego originally, and um, but he, he moved to, to Australia in 92. So we've got two Australians, a Brazilian from Europe, um, John Pizel from the North Shore, because Matt Kazuma Kinoshita from Maui. Uh, quite a crew, guys from Santa Cruz. So 10 international shapers uh, going to take place, going to shape boards at the boardroom here coming up in two months, May 6th and 7th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. So we've got a lot going on, and I'll reveal more in shows to come. Cool. Including Surfer Magazine doing their seminars 
and discussion panel. So it's going to be interesting stuff. Very, very cool. I will be there. Yeah. So uh, I've got a Duke and a kook and a must-see moment that is separate from all the other videos that we've already discussed in this show. Oh, my. What would you like to hear first? Well, let me hear about your Duke and your kook. My Duke is it's a little bit of a somber moment for me, but it is my Duke. Rosie Hodge. Oh. For getting married. I, sh- I share your sorrow, my friend. <laughs> for getting married. Rosie Hodge, congratulations. We love you. Uh, you She's the most brighten beautiful. all our broadcasts of the WSL. She's got such a sweet essence about her, right? She just seems like a sweet, loving child of the earth. Yep. So she got married to a guy that she's been dating for years now. Yeah. Um, he he works for Electric as the global head of global marketing. Yeah. Ian Folk or right. Folky. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, but they just got married. I guess it was two weeks ago. There was a couple of posts on Instagram uh, from people who are at their wedding. So congratulations to you two lovebirds. Yes. Dukes of the week. Absolutely. Congratulations. And I'm sure they're going to spit out some gorgeous looking babies. Seriously, they're two beautiful people. Right. My kook is those who enabled this sewage spill that we've got going on in San Diego. 143 million gallons of sewage. Raw sewage. Not even the Tijuana River. And the toxic runoff then flowed into the ocean around San Diego. Now, I'm saying the kooks for those who enabled this to happen. It's rumored that this was intentionally done. Did you hear this rumor, Scott? I haven't heard that part of it, but um, I mean, when you say intentionally, do you mean do you mean somebody said, "Hey, let's pollute the the ocean," or they said, "Hey, man, we got to do something here. We're going to have to open up this valve, or we're going to have an overflow here in Tijuana. So let's just open up the valve uh, and let it go into the river." Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, Look, the kooks in this, in my opinion, are the federal governments of the United States and Mexico who um, haven't had a, got a handle on what to do with this sort of um, binational um, treatment situation, sewage treatment situation. I don't know mu- n- too much about it to comment like an expert. Right. But something tells me that we seem to have a pretty good handle on it here in the United States of America. Perhaps an intuition, a gut intuition, is that the problem really re- revolves around infrastructure on the Mexican side of the border. I mm-hmm. could be wrong. Well, I doubt it. The reason why I said that it looks like it was intentional was this is a quote from Imperial Beach Mayor Serge Dedina. Yeah, he said this was like a tsunami of sewage spills. What's worse is it looks like it was. It looks to me like it was deliberate. It saves the Mexican agencies a lot of money and pumping costs, and ultimately they can get away with it and do it all the time, just on a much smaller scale. So. He's pointing the finger at the Mexican agencies, um, quote unquote. I'm not sure who those agencies even are. But I heard, I mean, this is complete rumor, but somebody I was talking to. <laughs> As opposed to moderate rumor. Incomplete rumor? Yeah. So somebody I was talking to was like, maybe it's just an act of defiance against Trump wanting to build a wall. Oh. It's just like, you guys, you guys want to build a wall? F you. Here you go. <laughs> oh, my God. We're flipping the switch. Take some of our sewage. Wow. That sounds like something you heard at uh, it's a conspiracy Huntington theory. Cliffs or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even good enough for the pier fodder. Right. It only takes yeah, place had to go north. <laughs> Oh my! Well, so 
that's my kook of the week. Um, I'll tell you what. I do the surf report in San Diego on NPR KPBS every morning, and the water has a brown mustardy tinge to it, and I've been saying as much on my report. I mean, I sort of feel like if you don't – like. In a way, the blue Pacific Ocean is something that the city of San Diego should pride itself on. The Chamber of Commerce should be coveting it and lifting it up and going, come to San Diego for our blue Pacific. And the fact of the matter is, it's not blue. It's dirty after every rain. And so it's sort of our responsibility to bring this to light that, hey, the ocean's not as clean as the Chamber of Commerce wants you to think. And the more we raise a stink about it, the more that, no pun intended, the more that... um, you know, people are like, oh, it's not quite as, you know, like the Chamber of Commerce needs to kind of like, you know, I'm trying to stir the pot a little is what I'm saying. Well, there's actual helicopter or drone footage, aerial footage, and you can see the runoff. Like you could see oh, the brown. Yeah. Like coming up against the blue. There's like these brown plumes basically in the ocean. Yeah. Um, really gross. By the way, if you're going to get sewage from anywhere that you were forced to swim with, TJ would be my least favorite sewage. <laughs> like on the ranking of the worst sewage in the world, <laughs> TJ is right well, up there. Dude. I'll tell you what, I've you've served. been there, you've eaten their food, you know. <laughs> no, I, you know where his gnarly is at um, La Libertad in El Salvador. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've paddled out there with a white T-shirt on, as white as yours. And there's a raw, there's a tr- sewage treatment facility on the point there that dumps sewage from straight in, straight them. in. Yeah. And I've come out, and my T-shirt was brown. It went went in white, came out brown, and never got white again. Wow. Imagine I mean, what happened to your orifice. The waves were perfect. The waves were so good, but it was brown the whole time. It was brown water, lolly Bertad. Wow. wow. Your ears will never be the same in your sinuses. Uh, my must-see moment, among all of the surf videos that we've gotten this last week or two. Which has been a lot. Julian Wilson's Wayward. I haven't seen that one. I've heard about it. Well, it's 12 minutes long, so that might have been your stop point. People are claiming it. Well, dude, the guy is legit, man. There's so there's an alley-oop in there that is the butteriest alley-oop I've seen ever. Um, uh, he does two backside big spins, you know, where it's a full 360 aerial, but he also shovets the board midway through it and sticks them so cleanly. It's like it's there's just tons of footage in it that any one of these clips would have been the most impressive clip on Instagram that month. And there's a bunch of them in the 12 minute video. It's all shot in Bali, actually Bali and Fiji. There's cloud break footage at the beginning. I really enjoyed it. Um, if you're going to like try to pick a world title contender yeah. for this year, you're like, well, this guy serves better than everybody. So he might be it. But I mean, maybe not. He's in there with Kolohe and Jordy as the greatest surfer to not be a world champion, right? Yeah. Kolohe, Julian, and Jordy. Those yeah. are the three that you got to go. These guys were supposed to be world champions by right. now. Right. And, you know, we shall see. Now, there are so many clips out there, right? Like, mm-hmm. you could argue there's clips from this huge European swell that hit Nazare that's just mind blowing. <clears throat> you know, huge. You know, skis wiping out, guys catching yeah, that's right. catching ninety foot waves, hundred foot waves. I don't know how big they are. They're just huge. They're ridiculous. Infinity. There's a lot out there. So uh, one, yeah. I, I actually forgot to mention this earlier in the show, but it's worth mentioning. Dion Aegeus um, made a surf film 
that he's had a really interesting distribution model for it. You have to email him to get the video. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, but here's what's rad about it is he gives you the file and you download it to your computer. It's two gigabytes. Like he sends you a high def file, but it's like you can't go watch it on Stab Magazine or Surfline or anywhere. You have to email him directly and then he sends you a note back. And here's the note I got from him. The, the movie's called The Smiling Bag. It's a 30-minute surf film. I emailed him. I was like, hey, Dion, heard about the film. Can you hook a brother up? And he replied and said, first off, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to email in Chasing the Movie. I'm stoked you took the time and that you want to see it. And it's been such an amazing experience to hear from everyone all over the world. Without talking too much, I've got just a few requests of you when watching. Number one, if you can, watch it with some friends and some beers if you're old enough. Even host your own mini premiere. And if you do, send me some pics. I'd love to see them. Number two, play it super loud, either with headphones or some nice nice speakers. Feel, feel the bass. Piss off your neighbors. <laughs> Number three, the smiling bag is free for everyone to enjoy. Please share the file with all your friends, your mom, your grandma, anyone and everyone who wants it. Sell it on the black market. Do whatever you want with it. It is yours, and I want you and your friends to enjoy it. Well, that's cool. Good for Rad, you. right? I like that. That's what the internet's all about. Take it, it enjoy it, sell it, do what you want with it. That's what the this podcast is all about, Scott. That's true. Share it with friends. Dion, we're giving it to you yes, for free. We're, we are embracing Dion's... Uh, Liberty there. I love that he's just doing that, that he's putting it out there for all. You got to love it. So, um, <laughs> but you got you to email him to get it. It's sort of backwards. Funny though, right? It is. It's kind of cool. I like it. So if you want it, you can email Dion, uh, Dion Aegeus. His email is Dion, D-I-O-N, at Epochi, which is his uh, sunglass company. Actually, just come to surfsplendorpodcast.com. I'll post a link to it because I don't want to try to spell that. Brand. Right. Well, E P O H K E. I think that's one. it. I know those letters are in there. I don't know what order they're in. Uh, anyway, the film itself was really good. Here's a here's a funny thing about that film. He's a hipster and he hangs out with a bunch of hipsters and they try to make lo-fi edits with like a bunch of Super Eight cutaway footage and stuff and weird music. But it's easy to criticize, especially when I watch. Julian Wilson doing the big spin and these crazy alley-oops and this super high-performance surfing, it's easy for me to then watch Dion's film and go, you guys are kooks. You're writing weird boards. But, <laughs> but I didn't feel that way. What I felt was, you guys are having a blast. And what's interesting about surfing and what I enjoy about surfing is watching people have fun surfing. And so while I can appreciate Julian Wilson's high-flying aerial antics, I also enjoy watching these guys riding little soap bar shaped boards on little three foot lefts and having a blast doing it. So that's what you, the the mentality that you should go into this film with. They use Billie Holiday on the soundtrack. It feels almost like a college art film or something to a degree. Not the most high performance surfing, but they're having a blast and it's fun to watch. So cool, yeah. That's all I got, Scott. All right. I gave well, you my best. I like it. And we'll check it out. Um, look, it's been a good show. We're going to have another show next week. And um, until then, uh, adios and aloha. But not me, baby.
Right on. Thank you for persevering a full hour and 40 minutes of Surf Talk. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate you sharing the show with friends. And we appreciate your donations. Keeps this show going. Like Scott said, we'll be back next week with an all-new episode. So look forward to that. In the meantime, check out SurfSplendorPodcast.com for all the videos. There was a ton of surf videos that we discussed in this show, mainly that I discussed, but um, that are just available now. plethora of A-plus quality surf clips and a wide, wide variety from Julian Wilson's you know, insane high performance to the finless surfing of Ari Brown. Tons of stuff out there right now. Really good stuff if you have the time to check it out. You can do it all on surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can also leave a comment about today's show. And, uh, you know, as I always say, if you listen in iTunes or wherever, whatever podcast app, rate and review the show there because that really also helps the show to grow. We want to stay number one in the world of podcast downloads across the planet. We're number one in the world of surf podcasts. So let's continue that trend. If for nothing else, then my fragile ego makes me feel good about myself. So thank you for that. And um, I believe that's it. The common denominator here, aside from listenership, is just that we're all fans of surfing. So I always have to remind you, I have to remind myself, when you don't have your headphones in listening to this, get out in the ocean, enjoy it, get a couple waves, and shred on. My loyal listeners, shred on. Best thing I ever had.